It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. AG1, Athletic Greens, it's part of uh, our daily routine. Um, And I say our as if you and I are married, but we're not. But we do both use AG1, and we both are uh, married in a weird way through this podcast. So um, we use AG1 as part of our daily routine for health, for vitality, for uh, strength, for, for goodness, you know, for harmony. You need it for any successful marriage. Um, look, we, never, <laughs> we never went to a courthouse. It's common law in California at this point. We've been at this for nine plus years. So we need all the help that we can get. And uh, AG1, yeah, whoa, sorry, athleticgreens.com slash surf. It's 75 vitamins, minerals, nutrients. Um, like the reality is I try to eat pretty healthy. I do eat whole foods regularly. Um, I don't eat processed foods. This is all of that ensured that you get it in your diet every day, but then bolstered by the vitamins and minerals. So I, I, you know, while I eat whole foods, I don't add supplements in any other way. I never really have taken supplements in terms of a daily vitamin or anything like that. And for those people who do, uh, Kelly Slater being one of them, had that handful of everything that he was taking in a make or break, those things are hard on your stomach. Those capsules, they're hard to dissolve on your stomach. And so AG1 makes it more simple, more effective. It's actually quicker. It's cheaper than doing all of that. And um, it's all in a powder you mix with eight ounces of water. Drink it. it takes 20 seconds in the morning. And athleticgreens.com slash surf is our portal where you could support us and support your whole body vitality. Real water sports. You know what? When you need a surfboard, you go to real water sports. When you need a leash, when you need fins, when you need a board bag, when you need a new pair of trunks, when you need wax... When you need shit to go surfing, let's just be blunt. When you need shit to go surfing, <laughs> realwatersports.com. It's your one-stop online shop for uh, all of your hard goods needs. And frankly, as I mentioned, uh, soft goods too, you know. I've got my Real Water Sports hoodie, and I've got a couple of cool little hats that I wear. So yeah, realwatersports.com. I don't know if I told you, but they actually sent child size clothing for me for Austin as well. So Austin's oh, rocking real water sports gear. Maybe the only baby on the West Coast rocking real water sports. Well, that's got to change. I mean, we need to. This needs to be a, a sort of a fashion revolution where I agree. more babies are wearing real water sports gear. I agree. AG One is good for the body, for the mind, and the soul. Real water sports, good for the body and the outerwear, keeping you warm. So realwatersports.com, thank you so much for all the support. As we 
see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, guy. It is Wednesday. It is March fifteenth. Holy shoot! March fifteenth. That's uh, time's flying by. Twenty twenty three. But uh, look, we had a um, we have a big day, a big week actually of surf news. Um, of course, not the least of which, David is the uh, the WCT event, which occurred, the WCT event, men's and women's, which occurred in Portugal. But before we go there, I've, I have failed to uh, to mention that we are with you, David, David Lee Scales, Scott Bass, Spit. This is the Spit Podcast. I forgot to mention all of that. That's all right. People know. People have been here for 200, almost 300 episodes. Um <clears throat> I know. Can you believe that? How do you want to party for the three hundredth? What do you want to do? I was randomly going through a hard drive yesterday, looking for a picture or whatever, and I came across all these old in the lineup podcasts that I did. You know, two thousand seven and shit. I was listening to them. I was like, oh, this is interesting. How were they? I think there's some gems in there. It would take somebody that we would have to hire to kind of go through it and then even then it's almost a job that i have to do because i'm like okay this is actually good content this is a bunch of fluff and a bunch because a lot of it some of it was terrestrial radio and so there's a lot of ads that they didn't cut out but there's some there's some good stuff i mean there's a lot of interviews i forgot i did you know i've like i interviewed a lot of people (laughs) i forgot about it well it's funny the interviews is obvious those would be very uh, important I think for posterity and surf culture and all that sort of stuff but I'd be curious just to hear your own banter at this point too because you and I have been doing it for so long you know I'd be curious to hear your style as a as an interviewer but just as a uh, host and co-host and stuff engaging with somebody that would be interesting for me also yeah it's you know back then it was a live show and um I had to keep the show moving, you know, right. and, um, you know, that, that leads to a lot of like nervousness on my part. Like, okay, uh, keep on going here. <laughs> That's or, a real skill. This is a horrible segment. How do I get out of this? <laughs> totally. Um, who were among the interviews that you were stood I mean, out to when shoot, you there? I, I interviewed like when I look back on it, um, I know I interviewed, well, I, I I didn't go through all of them, but I know I've interviewed, you know, like Cassia, Dave Rostovich, PT, Greg Knoll, Mark Richards, Sean Thompson, um, Herbie Fletcher, uh, Jeff Booth. Those are some of the ones that just kind of pop into my mind, but I know I did a lot more than that. Well, they are. Maurice Cole. They're gaining value as they age. Because I remember we had this conversation at least five years ago, and we we're like, man, we got to figure out a way to make these available. And they were valuable back then. They're even more valuable now. So 
if you put them off longer, they will only regain in value, I suppose. But well, they got to figure out a way to share them. And as I as I know you also know, I also have the mini DV tapes because we used to video it. Too, all of from them in the in the Surfer Magazine offices. Not all of them. I probably have a you know a solid twenty DVD mini DVD tapes. Crazy, dude. Um, I was going to ask you in terms of it being March 15th, are you on track with the boardroom show prep and how's that all going? Yeah. Boardroom show is coming along. Great. Um, of course, presented each and every year by us blanks, um, boardroom international surfboard show. I've got people signing up. Booths are filling out and, uh, we're looking forward to a great show in October. Uh, we'll be honoring Bing Copeland in the shape off that the shape off has been it's been a lot of fun. It's always a lot of fun to organize that because people are excited. The shapers are amped. We've got most of the shapers lined up. And of course, Bing um, is the guy, the honoree is who selects the shapers. Now, we do have the defending champ, Rick Rock, who will be there and is, and is, is fired up. And we have the champion from the East Coast shape off, Josh Peterson, who will be there and who is fired up. And then in addition, we have... Um, Bing has selected Hank Warner from San Diego, uh, Ri uh, Wayne Rich from Goleta, um, Roger Hines. They selected Roger Hines, and those two guys are past champions. So there's already four champions in this thing. And frankly, Hank Warner is a champion in my eyes. Um, and then um, who else do we have? Oh, I believe we have... Yeah, I don't think I'm um, Mike uh, Mike Arenal from Hobie. Is that how you say his name? Michael? Yeah, yeah, he's great. I'm excited that they selected him. And, oh, the big one, well, in my eyes, is Thomas Beckson from Australia is flying over. That's a huge get for those guys. So... I mean, it's going to look the Bing shape off. There's going to be some interesting boards, right? That they're going to have to shape. Of course, we, we can't, I actually don't even know which boards they've selected, but um, you can imagine that the Bing catalog runs from 59 to 2023. <laughs> it's like 70 years of surfboards to choose from. And, and back in the day, like the sixties and seventies, they had so many cool models, you know? like the Pipeliner, of course, the David Nueva, the Nueva Lightweight. And then during that transition period, they had all those cool things like the Maui Foil. And there was like a, you know, there was a new model every three months um, that came out of the Bing shop. So, and of course, the Bonzers, you know, there was the Bonzer brothers. They were involved, like Mike Eaton, you know, like, I mean, there's a lot to choose from. Amazing. Um, just as a side note, Michael Arnall and... Roger Hines and maybe one or two of those other guys are also uh, supporters of our podcast at five bucks a month, believe it or not. So not only are they regular listeners over the years, but they've actually been supporting us for five for a number of years as well. So shout out to them and thank you for that. Well, this for whatever reason, I'm feeling extra excited about this shape off. I there's just a the shapers themselves are super engaged already, you know, like um and it's, I mean, seven months out or whatever. Like, we've got quite a long ways till the show in October, but they are um, asking questions and are 
geeked up and um and i sense i know with both roger hines who's won it twice and with wayne rich who i believe has won it at least twice maybe three times i can't remember exactly um i know he won the ekstrom one and he won the rennie yader one anyway point is those guys are competitive and they want to win and they believe in the craft of building a surfboard and they want to you know part of their mission i think is to is to hold up that planer and go this thing matters man and so um and i know the other shapers feel that way as well so it's pretty cool you know what uh i don't know who was talking about it but um recently I was talking to somebody about surfboard contests as they used to exist or not more like, um, regional comps, board riders comps, their gatherings, you know, and there is a competition and somebody does win, but that it's not cutthroat like it is on the CT. There's not a bunch of money involved or anything like that. And that's what the shape off reminds me of the icons of foam is it is a gathering. Everybody's thrilled to, um, just connect and see one another and, showcase the craft and um see the way that other people do it but they're it's not cutthroat it's a it's a camaraderie it's more of a gathering it's a way to get together there is competition and people are competitive and they do want to win but they're not hoping the other person loses you know they're just there to kind of engage and share their thing with their friends yeah and you get to this level too with these eight people and i mean it's uh they're all just experts you know they're all craftsmen you know at that level that is just next level and um so it's going to be it's going to be good we're excited it's it's going to be good boardroomshow.com is where people can go and see all the updated information and who the exhibitors are and all that sort of stuff and then it's in october but uh it's open to the public people can attend is it 15 bucks to get in uh i'm not sure yeah it's like it's right around 15 bucks yeah yeah Cool. So, yeah, it's the trade the show for the, it's the it look every industry has a a trade show and this is the surfboard builder manufacturers industries trade show. So if you build surfboards for a living, if you manufacture surfboards for a living, this is your trade show. This is where everyone gathers together. And it's port it's important. Unity is important within industries, you know. Especially the surfboard industry. It's so already fractured by everyone. There's all these little it's important for everyone as a tribe to get underneath the same, get into the same building. And, and um, this is where we celebrate the board builders. This isn't about other stuff. This is about surfboards and hard goods, which is what is the most important thing to you and I, the hardcore surfer. Well, all the other fluff is just that, like fluff. You know, it's like, yeah, it's cool, you know, but um, it's not a surfboard. No, and speaking of fractured what's interesting or cool about the surf board world is there's these little microcosms everywhere certainly up and down the california coast but all over the world where the culture is so distinct and unique in that little tiny microcosm so even up san diego just the one county you know there's differentiation between each little beach town but then that's certainly different from oceanside then the next little enclave is san clemente those are two super distinct, really rich, really kind of prolific board building communities. And then you go up just a little bit from there, there's Dana Point. Then you go up a little bit from there, 
you know, we have uh, Orange County, Huntington Beach, then Seal Beach is just a tiny bit north, but that's its own distinct, unique thing. Then you get into the South Bay. It's like, and all of those are responsible for kind of design revolutions in their own ways at different times. And of course, iconic shapers coming out of each of those areas as well. So this is the place where they all get together in one yeah, spot. Yeah, it's funny you, you mentioned Seal Beach. I was thinking, oh gosh, Harbor, Rich Harbor, who's just in legend. And then, of course, you got, I, I think, uh, Tim Stamps. I think of Chaz. Um, I think it's Chaz Wickwire. Uh, yeah. Chaz Wickwire. Um, who's just like a regional guy who builds his own boards and, you know, but I remember, Ch and there's so many Russell's reports from Newport, right? Like in, when you think about, there's so many, the frog house who ha that had all these different brands. There's so many guys, so much little, like you say, little, little nuggets of culture. And when you were a kid, you, I mean, when you were a kid, you were like Russell surfboards. Like you grew up, like Sean Stussy began shaping for Russell surfboards, you know? Like they all have such, um, you know, just it's just all these little regions that you mentioned are so unique and um, and they're cool. So the other I should have counted, but this past weekend, running around doing errands, um, and I'm I'm relatively close to Seal Beach, but I wasn't in Seal Beach proper. But running around doing errands, I spotted so many Harbor surfboards, T-shirts, and sweaters. It was like. And they weren't, they didn't look like surfers that were wearing them. You know what I mean? These were just older people walking their dogs or whatever it was. And I just thought to myself, wow, that is such an iconic logo and brand that it's proliferated kind of mainstream culture. I don't know how far from Seal Beach that would go, but within one weekend, I swear to you, I saw 15 of them and I wasn't at the beach. I was at the grocery store. I was driving and it was just like, man, the influence is interesting to try to, try to track. Yeah, it is. And uh, it reminds me of like Encinitas Surfboards has that same thing. They have such an iconic logo that people from all over the world just buy the Encinitas hoodie yeah. with the Encinitas logo on it because they think, they're thinking Encinitas, California, but it's actually the Encinitas Surfboards logo. You know, yeah. you see it everywhere. Totally. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, actually. Speaking well, of surfboards, I've got uh, coming up in the California Gold Surf Auction, David, this is where I'm gonna I'm gonna crowbar in a little plug here because this is pretty. I think it's an incredible offer. We've got a 1996. It's an 11 foot five stringer, chambered, Dick Brewer hand shaped chambered balsa Hanalei gun with a custom redwood nose block. This is a stunning, majestic surfboard that has a custom Jack Reeves black accented wooden fin and, of course, the Jack Reeves lamination. This board is selling, David, at no reserve. This is easily a $15,000 board. It's jaw-dropping. It's stunning. But we have here a motivated seller who has offered this board at no reserve. We're going to sell it no matter what the price. Um, I've seen quite a few balsa brewers in my day, and they're all gorgeous in their own right. And um, But this one... This one's magnificent because it has five five sticks, five stringers, and um, this is a rare opportunity. I think the bidding right now is at $4,000 right now. This is an investment-grade brewer and one that, frankly, if it stays this low, David, I'm going to bid on it. I mean, I would pick this thing up because it's it, – like at the price it's at now, it's 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 like you couldn't get one. I mean, you can't get – you know, like they're just – this is an insane one. 
It, so it it's insane. a 10 out of 10. It's, it's near mint. I'm sorry, what? It would be incredible if it's, I mean, a shame actually, if it sold for less than the 15 um, that you're estimating. But the reason I'm laughing is just because I got so many messages last week for, of people <laughs> asking me to ask you how many surfboards you actually own. They want a hard number. And the fact that you did not say, hey, by the way, I got a board on order, but we're talking about an auction and you're talking about buying the board in the auction is a validation that you may have <laughs> well, a this board's just this board's incredibly beautiful. Like it's just a gorgeous chambered balsa five stick redwood nose block, Jack Reeves, Dick Brewer, hand-shaped 1996. It's just majestic. It, and like I said, um, it's such an incredible value right now. Of course, we've got 11 days till the bidding ends so things are probably going to change but i want to bring people's attention to this board and I, what i might do too is send you a uh an image of the board so maybe we can use it uh let's yeah i'll push on social media with a link to the to the auction okay so the number of boards that i own yes um so I don't if i walk even now i don't really yeah. what's interesting as you said that i was like well i have i literally have boards that are like I have two boards that are stashed in Hawaii that I'll probably never see again. They're just in a garage and I don't plan on going to the North shore ever again in my life. <laughs> so those are just gone. And I know I have two boards in mainland Mexico that are sitting down there. So there's four that aren't even in my possession. And, um, I mean, you know, I don't know. I would have to do a count. I, I don't have a hard count available, but I will do a count and come up. How many different storage locations do you have for the boards? Um, we know you have your three. garage. Three. Okay. Three on your property? No. Just okay. one on my property. Well, you have your garage, and then I thought you had like a shed as well on your property. So those... <laughs> I do. It's <laughs> locked. I don't want to give that too much information. The shed is locked. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I'm not worried about that. I'm just saying, like, they've grown from one location to the next, and now you have off-site storage is what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. We have off-site storage. <laughs> Two different off-site storages. So the board's I'm nothing. Off- you know who's – I'll throw Bird under the bus. Bird's got – Bird's the guy with all the surfboards. Bird Bird's had to design prob- – I bet he has retail- probably north of – 500 surfboards, I bet. And I know he has at least three off-site locations that he would tell you about. I'm not, like, giving up the – I don't think I'm, you know. So Bird he's, has – He's got more boards. Bird's got more than I do. <laughs> yeah, but Bird has a business called Bird Surf Shed. He had to design a business just to accommodate his collecting habit. Okay? This is so, true. This so is true. that's where you're headed. Okay. This right. only ends one of two ways, Scott. This is where you are headed. <laughs> hey, if you I are could, going to have a retail end business up with the glorious um, life that Bird has, I'd be happy. I love I love that guy, and I love his collection, and I love his stoke. I mean, that guy's got the surfboard stoke, and it's 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 contagious. Is he still doing that podcast? I know he launched one about a year ago. I don't know. I don't know. He does some stuff online, which is really cool. Where like I think a couple of weeks ago, he just went up into the rafters and just started pulling boards out. And and what I love is that like, he'll pull a board out and just be like, Oh, I forgot about this one. And I can relate to that. Like where you're totally. like way in the back and you just pull out a board. You're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. This one. Is, and he's just, he's got, everyone has, every board has a story and bird does a great job of excavating those stories. And it's pretty cool. The memory on that guy. 
Okay, cool. Well, uh, speaking of surfboards, I feel like when we touched on the CT Shaper rankings, it did spark an interest in me. All of a sudden, I'm like, man, why have we not been focusing on the boards of the people who are winning these contests, these CT events, all along? And I put it at the top of my notes. I was like, Courtney Conlog, back in a final, by the way. We haven't seen her in a long time. I feel like she's always had it. It just hasn't come together for her for various reasons. But Timmy Stamps, just like, boom, great to see Timmy Stamps back on the podium. Caitlin Simmers writing Chris Borst. I don't know if we've ever seen uh, wow. Chris Borst on the podium before. So that those are cool. two new Both additions those, yeah. for the for the CT Shaper rankings. Because it was just really a four-way battle between four large brands. So to see those two kind of come in deserved and awesome and then on the men's side of course uh joao chianca writing channel islands that new pro model that parker coffin kind of developed last year and then jack robinson on sharp eye interestingly he just transitioned transitioned to sharp eye as his uh sponsor this year he was writing a variety of different boards kind of in the previous years but he's locked in sharp eye but the interesting part is he was the pilot for Stab's uh, Stab in the Dark series this last year. And of all the shortboards, he actually picked the Channel Islands Pro model that Joao Chianca won this event on. So that was his favorite board in the Stab. It won Stab in the Dark. And then a month later, he announces that he's going to Sharp Eye. It's like, cool, that's, you know, large. I'm sure it's a business decision in addition to they make great boards and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but then the fact that Joao won this event on that board is interesting, you know. It is. You brought up a lot of interesting points. And the first ones, I think, are really telling. Chris Borst, I mean, when you look at like Pizel and even Marcio at Sharp Eye, they had some initial success with just one or two riders. And then they mushroomed and it blew up in a great way and i hope that that occurs for for chris boris and i hope it continues to occur for tim stamps which i'm sure it will tim's done a good job of growing his brand and um i would love to see chris boris i'm sure i know for a fact it's hard to get a chris boris surfboard i tried and uh he was just too busy with life uh, other stuff i think to and i'm sure he's swamped with orders from the local Oceanside community and from um, Caitlin. So I hope that that blows up for him. I'm sure it will. I know Taylor Knox rides his boards and absolutely rips on his boards. And um, I'm a big fan. Chris Porst seems like a very interesting guy. He's sort of like this mad professor type guy. Um, he was a he was a very involved skateboarder for a long time. You know, like a like like a really good skateboarder, you know, like maybe uh, I can't speak to it, but I want to say like a pro level skateboarder, you know, I've never and, met him. At, <clears throat> oh, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that's okay. Go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say, I've heard nothing but praise about him and I've never met him and I've reached out to him to do a podcast interview once or twice, but haven't heard back. And everybody I talked to is like, no, he's just so busy and focused on a bunch of different things. And he's also in terms of his shaping, um, comes from like an engineer mindset basically so really mathematic really uh detailed sophisticated numbers-based analysis on what's happening at all times but tracking everything as well like records of every board made and the feedback goes into those records so that's that's an interesting thing 
And, and what I've heard too, and again, this is all kind of secondhand, but I've heard that he's got one of the most incredible shaping machines. Like it's one that, that he's dialed into such a place that he can spit out a finished board off of the machine. It obviously takes longer, you know, and all he has to do is sign it. He doesn't have to put, he doesn't have to put a screen on the rail or anything. He just, it comes off the machine. He probably blows it off and then signs it. And, um, that's how dialed in and, and mathematical and, and sort of like an, almost an academic aesthetic towards his um, shaping. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, congrats on the huge win. And, and uh, that brings us to the and, surface. And congrats themselves. to the, to Brit Merrick and the, the win with J- Joao and, um, and congrats to sharp eye, you know, with Jack still in the yellow Jersey. I mean, congrats to all of these guys. It, it does make you, there is some something about the guys' boards, the, the winning boards. It makes me as an end user, as a surfer, go, wow, I'd like to try those boards, you know? And so I have a sharp eye on order. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. Um, well, you, I wanted to play the audio for us and our audience, but we're using a new platform, and I'm not sure how to share the screen. But at the very, very end of last show, the very last thing that we said was, you gave picks for Portugal and you go, you know who my dark horse pick is? Yago Dora. Who's yours, David? And I go, Joao Chianca. And you're like, well, he's not really a dark horse. And I'm like, yeah, neither is Yago. And you're like, yeah, you're right. That's a good point. They ended up semifinalist and winner of the event. Boom. We called it. Yeah, we did. And, um, good work on your part. Um, Joao, like you and I have been praised. I mean, you can go back to over a year ago, the Hawaii season in 22, I guess it was, or tw- not this winter, but last winter. And you, you and I both were just like, that guy, Joe Alcianca, has this fire. He has something special inside of him. He has an internal drive that we sort of saw in Idolo the year that he won the world title. But he, Joao is just like, there's something going on inside that guy's brain that's going to make him a champion. And um, I see him as being a world champion. I really do. He, he, doesn't give a sh- he doesn't give a crap who he's surfing against. It doesn't matter if he's surfing at pipe and he's not his pipe legend. It doesn't matter if he's surfing against a world champion or the guy in the yellow jersey. He doesn't even look at it like that. He's just like, he's just got his teeth on the meat and he's not letting go. It's exciting to watch. His his style of surfing is really, really exciting. And I think part of that is just there's something about seeing somebody experiencing things for the first time that is palpable and uh, that that excitement somehow translates to us, the audience, and certainly to the judges. And so, you know, I don't know how many times he had surfed Pipeline before last year. And even if he had surfed it, it wasn't probably as perfect as he was surfing it in those heats, the one against John John Florence. And so to see him having that experience, you know, so many of those surfers at that level have the talent, but they might not have the confidence of mind and the moxie and all that sort of stuff. So he clearly had the talent, but he also had what you're talking about, that tenacity of wanting it. And so to witness him being able to execute at Pipeline, a lifelong dream of his, it was exciting. But now we're seeing him do it in Portugal, making heats. And he's feeling that excitement of just like 
everything coming together for him, you know? And so that's what's palpable. And I think that's what's hard for Idolo to recreate at this point in his career. And he's going to have to try to kind of solve that. And people have all the time, you know? So he will probably be able to. But right now it's exciting for Joao, for all of us. And and people forget perhaps that in Hawaii that season, he had hurt himself about a week prior to the pipeline event. We weren't even sure if he was going to surf in it. And, um, of course, he came out and had a great event. And then, um, you know, he, it, yeah, Joao is, I mean, if I was to ask you who's the most, like, I don't want to say exciting, but who, which Brazilian is, is at the top right now, you know? What would you say? What would you say? Well, him. Uh, I think of Felipe because Felipe is world champ, and I'm excited to kind of assess what he's going to do this year, follow that up. But Joao's right there with him as far as I'm concerned. I and, agree. And I mean, I as far as who's in our mindset, it's, yeah. it's those two guys. Joao's more well-rounded. You know, like because of those big barreling performances of Joao, I would almost stack him on top of Felipe at this point. Oh, for sure. I totally agree with that. I think Joao's probably the one guy where Felipe's like, oh, I don't really want to face him. Yeah, I've proven myself against Gabe and Elo, and I don't know. So, what my question to you though was, like, if you're Gabe and or Elo, are you feeling like, wow, that I got displaced rather quickly, and I better get my act together, or I'm just going to continue to fade out of the uh, the eyes of the average surf fan? One hundred percent and good. They should feel that way. This is exactly what they need to uh, feel stoked again, to stoked the fire. You know what I mean? Um, and I think Gabe is a little bit less intimidated by that. Gabe is a robocop, you know, like he is just, he's got the talent, he's got the mindset, all that sort of thing. Um, Idolo, on the other hand, feels a little bit more feeble. And so Idolo will have a harder time solving the Joao uh, conundrum. And uh, who knows who's behind Joao? You know, like we've seen this so many times where we're so excited about Gabe and then Felipe's right behind him and then Idolo's right behind him. And so who knows who's, I mean, Mateus Hurdy. And there are a bunch of other guys who are super talented. And if they chose to commit to this, it would only be two years until they're doing what Joao's doing on tour right now. So Joao needs to kind of lock it down while he has this momentum. And Gabe and Idolo need to defend their positions before there's two, three, and four Joao's right behind him. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch how it plays out. Like, will he be able to maintain this sort of eye of the tiger vibe that he's seemed to have for 18 months now or longer? Um, he's really... Uh, like I said, every time I see him, I'm like, there's just some something about him where you're like, that guy is the real deal. It's exciting surfing. Yeah. It was a fun final. It was a fun finals day. It really was. First, you know, first well, couple of rounds were mediocre, but uh, well, so let's let's unpack that because that really was the storyline up until the fun finals day, and I'll put it: there's been three events. I would argue in those three events, there was one day, not even a full day, but one day at each of those events that was great quality surfing and competition in good quality waves. 
So basically, uh, 12 surfers had access to high quality surf and were able to perform to their ability level and their potential on that day. Otherwise, all the other days of competition were complete waste of time. I did not watch them. I tried. I turned it on. It was totally boring. It was a waste of their talent. There was a lot of actual world-class talent that got washed away uh, and eliminated from the competition strictly due to not having the opportunity to perform. And so uh, that is a total logistics problem for the WSL. And when I say there was 12 surfers on one day of competition in each of the three events, I say that because it's it's poignant. It's exactly highlighting everything that we have been saying from the beginning, which is reduce the number of surfers, give them an opportunity to surf world-class surf in each event. And this is exactly what happened just by circumstance in these three events. You could look at the whole event and be like, oh, these, are, these were three crappy events. But if you really distill it down, there was one day of good surf in those events, which is exactly what we're asking for. And if the tour was the right size, we would have uh, phenomenal events. You know, these would have been three phenomenal events, basically. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, um, you know, I don't want to bore the listeners. They, they know where we stand on it. Uh, the ways of the stars, less surfers will get those surfers into really good waves. It's just with Mother Nature we just don't have the ability to have 30 something people in an event. We just don't, even though we have the time, we don't have the waves. And so it, we need to do these CTs with 16 people. So did you watch this event? I didn't watch too much of it. I mean, I tried to, that's the thing is like, I try to watch each event, like the first round, like I'm interested, you know, but only if the waves are good. And when the waves are complete crap, I'm like, ah, I just yeah. don't, I'm not, I'm not that into it. You know, like I might watch some of the replays and just, you know, but, but I was into the finals day. I, you know, hats off to Renato, whoever made the call there, the, the waves were solid. And, um, and I don't think that those waves translate very good on, onto the screen either. I mean, it's, it's so much gnarlier and more powerful than it looks on the screen. It's just, it, it's a gnarly wave. Uh, Caleb Robson's 10. Wow. Incredible. <laughs> I mean, talking about gnarly, it, that is as, I mean, throaty and treacherous and crazy, uh, beach break barrel as you can get, you know? And he, he, uh, that, that day wasn't the day of days. That was the day where like, there was just crappy waves detonating all over the place and so for him to be able to find that one is that kind of hero thing and it was he was in he was under the ledge he was in the right spot but it's just such a sketchy way to kind of take off in a position to be in and he just freaking did it i mean he just really did it with all the eyes on him on a day where everybody else is just getting detonated you know the john john's kelly they're all just getting detonated and calem to become the hero of the day was pretty epic yeah. Look, I sometimes get f some flack for suggesting that Puerto Escondido should be on tour for the finals day, the final five. But I mean, Portugal, it would be if, if they're going to run heats in Portugal like that, they're, they can easily do the final five of Puerto Escondido and it would be insane. Those those waves that Cal Callum got, it'll be almost every wave will be like that. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, 
tell me more about, we were texting a little bit during the event, just in, in regard to the WSL having a logistics problem by not, obviously the tour is too bloated. And so that's one logistics problem, but also you were texting about other waves that were going off at the time nearby in Portugal at the time of this event being crappy while they're running crappy heats, there's nearby waves pumping. What can you say? Well, I'm in a fantasy league and there was a text chain amongst the 30 guys that are in it. And they were saying, and they sent links and I'm sure it was all over the internet of the wave on the other side of the beach where it's straight offshore because the way the beach is, um, you know, angles the coastline there. It, there's just a short hop away. There's offshore winds. Um, and they had great video footage of the pros getting insane shacks, you know, at the same time during the onshore at the location they were, the event was being held. So yeah, it, it's, you know, too many, too many guys, too much guys and girls. They're not lean and mean. They need to be lean and mean. Yeah. That, so that, I don't know how they cannot be aware of that issue currently. And I don't know if Eric Logan looks at this event. I mean, he talks about it as if it's a success. He gets on Instagram and he's like, record number 51,000 people on the beach, you know? And I'm like, first of all, who counted all that? Secondly, does that actually translate to anything meaningful? You know what I mean? Like if there's potentially 51 million online that aren't watching because they're running in crappy conditions, then what does the 51,000 on the sand even matter? And secondly, I'm pretty sure those people will walk down the beach to where the waves are pumping and watch it there too. So let's focus on running the surfers in great waves. You'll maximize your largest audience there. But, um, so I don't know if he looks at this event as a success because he can point to Caleb Robson's 10 and then on finals day, a number of nines, you know, and then we have two new winners and that's exciting and all of those things. Because to me, I look at it as through the lens of the way that I talked about it, like one day of competition that is good out of five days of competition is not a win. One day of competition that is good is the magic sauce. Like all that's all you need. Now we just need to design for that. And so part of the logistics, a logistical solve would be mobility. Being able, we're not asking you to hop everybody on a plane and fly them across the country to a better spot. We're saying right down the beach in a, a car drive, you know? And so the structure that they're building is probably the biggest. Once they commit to that, then it's like, okay, we're stuck in this location, but maybe the structure doesn't need to be there. You know, If you're focused on just how do we get people, on that 51,000 on the beach, well, we gotta build a structure and sell them things and blah, blah. No, you don't. Like, unless that's a profit center for the business, I don't think you need to focus on that at all. So I think there's a way to kind of make it more mobile. Yeah, look, there is, they just gotta, they gotta, take a look at everything, put it on a whiteboard and, and just cut the fat and make it an insane event with um, 16 surfers. Yeah. Need essentials. David, need essentials. Oh, you go first. Need. We are need, both need, need. so I need. eager. You need. We need. We need. We need. We need essentials. Damn it. Needessentialsusa.com. That's your place for warm, puffy jackets. The snow levels through the roof here in California. And by the way, if you're in the Northeast in New York surfing, uh, massive Nor'easter moving through there yesterday and today, you need your puffy jacket. It's the warmest jacket I've ever worn. 
I put it on. I'm guaranteed warmth. What's so cool about it is I can wear a t-shirt and just put on the puffy jacket and walk out in 50 degree, 40 degree weather and be totally toasty. Totally. I was going to say, yeah, the skiing conditions, there's been more snow. I mean, it's been insane. I feel like 70 feet is what they're, they've gotten in Tahoe so far this year. Seven zero. Wow. Insane, right? So anyways, yeah. uh, if you're, we, I mean, Neat Essentials is known for their wetsuits and they make amazing surf films. Slow Lane with Laurie Towner, all of the Torn Martin films, you've seen all that stuff. It's all about those guys exploring cold conditions with the wetsuits. But the outerwear as well. If you're ever going to the mountains, I mean, even just walking out the door, like Scott said, you got the jacket, but the outerwear for like the shell for the snow, uh, for the outside of that puffer, it fits over the puffer. And then the Polar Tech pants are, I've worn them skiing for years and years. I have one pair that I bought seven years ago and I'm still wearing the exact same pair. I'm going to wear them this weekend actually in the snow. So neatessentialsusa.com for all of that stuff. It's no logos, no branding, just blacked out, but high-tech gear at a really, really, really reasonable price. So, neatessentialsusa.com. Neatessentialsusa.com. Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, I was looking at the rankings here. Me too. Because there's only two events left before the midseason cut. So, I mean, frankly, if they had... If, if these were the 24 surfers that were left today, I'd be fine with it. And we'd be missing some guys that 
Kanoa would not be <laughs> Kanoa is missing the cut right now. That's sort of the big one that you go, whoa. That's a shocker. Um, the other big one that shocks me a little is Baron Mamiya. Yeah, I suppose that is too. Um, and those guys are tied for 24th. So if you had 24 surfers, if you could just trim the fat and just have 24 surfers, you know, you'd be including Baron and Kelly Slater and Kanoa in those 24. Um, but anyway, well, Baron, you know, there's a lot of pressure on a lot of these guys. And then I look at the bottom half and I'm like, don't really need it. Don't yeah. really need to see it, you know? Yeah. Um, where's Kelly sitting? Kelly's tied for 24th with Kanoa and Baron Mamiya. Oh, he is, okay. But they're so below Kelly, the cut line. They're below the midseason cut line. So Michael Sierra on Stab did a real great job of just running the numbers for what needs to happen for Kelly and Stephanie Gilmore. You know, uh, Steph, our current world champ on the women's side, and then Kelly, an 11-time world champ. And Kelly, he's, Michael said, assuming that the numbers work out the same in 2023 that they did last year, Kelly will need at least a ninth in one of his last two events to put himself inside the top 22. But to be safe, he really needs to get a ninth at both events or a fifth in one of them will really shore him up. So what are your thoughts on Kelly getting two ninths at Bell's and at Margaret's? Uh, he's had great success at Bells. I could see him doing that. Um, it's a wave that doesn't really offer a, an air section when you think about it. You know, there's the two, or maybe if you're lucky, you get three big hacks out, this, and then you hop through this middle. And then that end section is always usually your legs are so tired, and that thing's usually pretty meaty coming at you. It's usually just you do a big banging hit. There's not really – guys aren't really doing airs there. No, they hit it early. And too. so that bodes well for Kelly, a wave where there's no – not that he can't do great airs. He can, but point being is that it eliminates the guys that can do airs from doing airs. You know what I mean? Like it's totally. just going to be guys three to the beach and a big hack at the end, and you get a 7.7. .7. And <clears throat> that's – so I think I think Bells is not a problem for Kelly. And frankly, if you know, it's impossible to run an entire event at the box, but I think Kelly would do great there. And 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 I think main break is fun. I, I see Kelly making the cut. I really do. Um back to Bells, I think it matters what the forecast is. That'll be the biggest indicator for Kelly's result. If the waves aren't pumping. I see it being very difficult for him to grovel his way to a ninth with the amount of grovelly surfers that are on tour. And the one thing that we've seen Kelly pull through time and time again that we can't underestimate is his willpower. His, when his back is against the wall, his ability to just power through is uh, second to none. But I also expected that to get him out of Portugal and it didn't. And I think he, he, he even said, I think in his post heat stuff, like he's having a hard time finding the drive, but I think he had the drive going into it. You know, like I think he wanted it badly, wasn't able to pull it out and then just acknowledge like, man, maybe the fire isn't there as much as I really want it to be there. And so I wonder how that's going to affect him in bells. But if the waves are pumping, the fire's there automatically for him because his fire is all about surfing good surf more than it is winning competitions at this point. And the other thing that we talked about last week, 
which is greater than the competition itself, is his desire to qualify for the Olympics in 2024 and surf in Tahiti in those Olympics because that's a place he could win gold. So that's driving him as well. But as we also discussed, there's back roads for him to get into the Olympics, even if he doesn't do it through the CT standing. So, Yeah, the Kelly caveats. The Kelly plural. caveats. Another Kelly caveat, as you're talking about bells isn't an airwave, you're 100% right. I'm not trying to disprove you. But, yeah, but remember he, that he air that he did against yeah, Mick Fanning that one year? <laughs> I know. I think that was 2008. And that was like, was it 2008? Maybe you're or right. Or 06? Was it 06? No, it was later than 06. I was thinking it was later than 08 too, but maybe it wasn't. Well, maybe it was. Well, at any rate, it was such an epic battle, like 8.5, 8.7, 9.0, 9.2. And what's crazy to think about is Kelly is not the air guy in our eyes now. But in that moment, Mick is definitely not the air guy. Kelly was the innovator. Kelly was the old horse, Mick Fanning, the young buck coming up. And Kelly goes, "You want? I'm going to show you a young buck. And he does a gnarly full rote air on a closeout in front of Mick that was like redefining Kelly as the new school, even though he was the old guy. So the fact I that think he it was even, on those... That, the, that handprint Channel Islands that had the handprints on it, the fingerprints all over the rails and stuff. Do you remember yeah. those models? I do. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that Kelly's still in this conversation is totally remarkable. You know, It does feel like, you know, forever and ever we're like, I personally was like, Kelly's never leaving. Like he'll always be. It just seemed, you know, I mean, he's been on tour for 30 years or whatever. Like, and he's, why wouldn't he just stay on tour? But it does... I do for the first time ever have the feeling of this could be like if he doesn't get make the midseason cut, therefore his Olympic chances, at least through the CT Avenue, are gone. This is it. Yeah. Well, what the the shame is Kelly getting dethroned uh, unwillingly by better surfers at these given venues. Like we just presumed Kelly would quit while he's on top, drop the mic, walk away, and uh, maintain, I don't know what, but it's kind of a bummer to see him just getting beaten off the tour, basically. Yeah, I mean, look, he'll always have invites to the Pipeline Masters, to the Pipe Masters, or I guess it would be the Billabong Pipe Pro and the Vans Pipeline Masters, whatever. But anyway, he'll always be at Pipe. At least, you know, for the next, I bet for the next four years? Yeah, I mean, I feel like they will invite him even this year. If he gets bumped off midseason, he'll get a wild card invite to Surf Ranch. Then he'll get a wild card invite to Chopu, and then all of a sudden he'll be back on tour next year. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know that's the thing. Uh, the thing well, is such good. Good. the thing is so such a joke, dude. <laughs> Needs to be more cutthroat. It's such a joke. Um, I'm almost okay with it being a joke and it not being cutthroat because they create so much opportunity for random chance. Like there should not be this many surfers running in this many crappy conditions because you see the best talents getting eliminated through just simply not having opportunity. So if they get eliminated unjustly, let's say, like if the competition was designed in such a way that the best surfers won then they wouldn't need a rebound opportunity later in the season. But the fact that it's designed in such a way that random chance happens as frequently or maybe more frequently than the best surfer winning, 
then they do need to give Kelly a free pass on the back end of the season, you know, a wild card in or a caveat to get into the Olympics or something like that. Well, what's interesting about what you're saying is like, if you look at the cut line right now, the guys that are above the cut are the guys that have pulled it off through the, the situation that you've laid out. I mean, they've surfed in the crappy waves and pulled it off. And um, I mean, is there anybody besides Kanoa Kelly and and Baron Mamiya, there's not really anyone below the cut that you're like, yeah, he deserves, he's a guy that could be in the top five. No, not necessarily. Um, Kanoa, I'm sorry, Kaloe Andino is below that, and uh, but maybe deservingly so at this point, you know. Um, Here's an interesting name. Like, if I look at the guys above the cut, the one name for me personally that I'm like, I don't think I've ever even seen him in a heat is, is, uh, Ian Gentile. He's right in the middle of the pack. Good 13th. for him. I've seen him in heats. Yeah. I like him. I know I have too, but I mean, you know, I could easily see his name down here at 31 with Kalohe and just be yeah. like, yeah, yeah. yeah he hasn't had, 32. He hasn't had any standout performances for sure. Well, in terms of the cut, uh, Stephanie Gilmore. So she's, um, she needs a third and a fifth in these last two events or better, you know, a third and a third, obviously a second and a fifth or uh first and a ninth. So it should be able to do worse in one event if she won one event, of course, but at least a third and a fifth in these next two events, which is, those are big results. Yeah. So we'll Steph could be see off what happens. I, I think the story, and I know you were referring to Michael Ciamarello's article, but um, Caitlin Simmers her rise, her ascendancy, so to speak, it feels like it feels a lot like uh, Tom Curran or Lisa Anderson, where everyone knew yeah. that she was the talent. But it took a couple of events before she broke through. And once Tom and Lisa broke through, it was like Katie bar the door, no pun intended, because I think now she's tasted victory. She she has and she's like Tom and Lisa in that she has a style where everyone just goes, yes, I want to surf like that person. You know, like she her style transcends what's happening on tour. Like she is far and away has the best surfing style of all the women on tour. Yeah, I agree with you. There was that one wave. She um, it was like the buzzer beater, I think, against Molly Picklum, where Molly had priority and was actually sitting in position to catch a wave and Caitlin was on the shoulder, but Molly paddled for the wave and couldn't quite get under like under the bubble to get the push into the wave. And Caitlin on the shoulder just was like, like motor boated into that little bubble and then got to her feet as Katie was kind of like falling off or uh, Molly was falling off the back of the wave and then surfed it to the score that she needed. So she was with second priority and on the shoulder, and she still powered her way into that score. And I looked at that and just was like, whoa, that's dogged. You know, like the fact that Molly couldn't get into the wave is a chink in the armor of Molly, but the fact that Caitlin just wasn't gonna let up and just was gonna take what she wanted was also an indicator of tenacity, you know? Let me ask you this, is it, and by the way, this is ignorance alert, you know, I, naive, I, call me naive, call me ignorant. I'm trying to learn here. Is it either patriarchal 
and or misogynistic to say that Caitlin surfs like a dude. That's not for me to say. I don't know if it is or if it isn't. <laughs> I've got. I've even got you not talk commenting. Well, I don't know the if first it is one or to if tell me what I'm. Well, I mean, I, she serves. She serves, and I. I don't it, think it, it is. sounds wrong to say it. When I say it in my heart, it sounds like I'm the wrong thing to say. But what I'm getting at is, she's got a great surfing style. Like now, that's patriarchal and misogynistic <laughs> to, say, to it to say that surfing like a dude equates to great style and great surfing that's the problem but if you're just saying she surfs mechanically like a dude that's just a statement once you attach quality to it then i don't think it's a... mechanical though I, I i i sense that she's just got great surfing style and when yeah. i think of great surfing styles i think of guys like machado and tom curran and dave rostovich and ethan ewing and and they're all guys, so I that's that's I, I so don't think by about that notion. Does Stephanie Gilmore surf like a guy? No, I think Stephanie has sort of a regal, sort of Princess Diana um, sort of dance that's right. very feminine. Exactly, but great style. But great style. Exactly. But I wouldn't say that Caitlyn's style is feminine. I would say that it's um, uh, more like those men that I mentioned. Well, so no, then that part is not uh, problematic. The part where you assign good surfing is assigned to all males. Like that's the problematic part. By the way, I didn't do that. I was just like setting up a hypothetical situation. <laughs> so get your fingers off the keyboards. Well, this is what's exciting about Caitlin is that she's redefining it. You know what I mean? Like she is... I, I can, I see the connections that you're drawing. And I think the reality is it's not really, doesn't matter. Like gender, whether who she surfed like before or who she has influences by, it doesn't matter what gender they are. Like she's a phenomenal surfer and she's redefining what female surfing looks like at this point. And so I think there can be a certain, um, masculinity if you will to her surfing and a certain power to her surfing that was previously only accessed by male physique you know and so it's new and it's refreshing <laughs> yeah, and it's exciting going into some dangerous territory here. that's all right i don't mind speaking of which um i saw i think on your instagram or some or maybe in a text that you sent me something about the bethany hamilton yeah, this is uh, it's it's March is like Women's History Month or Women's Appreciation Month or Women's Appreciation Day or something, and one or two of the pro surfers or many of them, and again I don't know the story, but they wanted to honor her by wearing her jersey in their heat. Fill me in on what you know about Bethany Hamilton getting canceled by the WSL. Look, so some of the WSL flack that we lay out on this show, or maybe I do more than you. I think maybe people think like, oh, it's just us watching kind of what's happening online and making assessments. Some of it is. Other stuff is we've actually dealt, I've dealt with the organization, I've dealt with people at the organization, and there are um, problems that I, that I have an actual uh, kind of uh, problem, like I have a moralistic kind of issue with and this is one of them, okay? So this will become a public news story. I think Chaz is writing it up for Beach Grid. It might already be up. But they told the men's surfers that they can 
pick a woman's name to put on the back of their jersey. So it has your number still on the jersey, but a woman's name in honor of this month that we're talking about or International Women's Day or whatever it was. There was a number of surfers. One that I know for sure from direct source that he tried to do this. He said, I want to wear Bethany Hamilton's name on the back of my jersey. I So this is straight from the horse's mouth. Apparently there was other surfers as well that also wanted to do this. The WSL told him in explicitly, no questions, you are not allowed. We, we are not going to allow you to wear Bethany Hamilton's name on the back of your jersey because she does not support the WSL's stance of equality. And that person had to pick a different name. So Bethany Hamilton canceled by the WSL is the headline there. Wow. Well, who was the surfer? I'd, I don't want to say because I don't want to throw him under the bus. <laughs> I mean, if, if you're going to make that call, you kind of got to you got to kind of own it. Uh, it's not for me to say, honestly. Um, the WSL knows, but it's not. I mean, maybe I'll, I'll ask him. Is it in, Ch- is it in Ch- Chaz's piece? I don't know. I don't know. But here's the deal. These, uh, that seems kind of weak sauce. I'll, I'll accept it. I'll accept it as being weak sauce. Not on I your just, part, but I mean, on like if it's the guy, the, the person, the, the pro surfer doesn't want his name associated with this. Me, I don't know. I did not ask. Rather incendiary storyline? I don't know. I did or? not ask, but I will ask and I'll let you know. But the the what we're what I've seen happening in the recent years with the WSL is these surfers are so apprehensive to bite the hand that feeds, and they have such strong stances personally against the hand that's feeding them, but they're very very reticent to share. And so Bethany Hamilton sharing what she shared, and then getting canceled by them for it is an indicator of why they don't want to speak out. You know, like that. She didn't, for me, I don't think she said anything that controversial, but they still are taking a real hard stance against her, uh, so much so that they're now not letting these what guys was her, pick. What, what did she say that made the WSL? It was that uh, Instagram. Uh, again, this is all, this is all uh, supposed, the w- right? No, <clears throat> we no, don't, no. The, we don't have, the, do we have comment from the WSL on this? Or? Uh, no, we don't. Uh, the WSL released their trans policy, Right. And Bethany Hamilton that just took follows to, the ISA. Yeah. It just Correct. follows the International Olympic Committee. Correct. And so Bethany Hamilton took to Instagram and explained uh, her problems with it and the questions that the WSL should be asking the athletes before they implement the policy. That was it. That was end of conversation. So uh, the WSL never responded publicly to that, but male surfers wanted to wear Bethany's jersey in Portugal or name on the back of their jersey and the wsl said no you're not allowed to because she doesn't support our equal our stance on equality to me it feels well who who in the wsl allegedly did this like uh, we don't do we have a name behind this i don't know who is responsible for typing out the text but it's on a WhatsApp thread. There's a WhatsApp thread that the WSL communicates to all of the surfers on about what's happening at any given time. And it's on that thread uh, with the WSL stating exactly that. So who's actually typing it out? I'm not exactly sure. So it's all sort of alleged at this point. Um, no, it's it's fact. It is 100% fact that a surfer... Yeah, but we don't know who this pro surfer is because he's afraid of getting backlash, and we don't know who at the WSL actually said this. It's just a thread with a phone number on it. Uh, is there a name attached to the thread? 
and there's yes there are if they're in your contacts the name populates on there so there is a name um but i'm telling you it's direct from the horse's mouth mm. but i understand what you're saying i understand you're doing your journalistic due diligence but um so people can kind of take that information and make their own decisions but uh is it I a situation it where I find Bethany it isn't allowed because she's not in the she's not on the tour? No, like maybe they just Kelly don't was have wearing a Frida Zamba. You know, I mean, oh, he was, <laughs> yeah, or maybe Carlos Munoz was. No, there. Well, that's a great question though. Like, okay, WSL, answer for yourselves. What were the rules in place when you made this announcement to everybody? And if Bethany falls outside those rules, then that's fine. But that's not what they said. They said, we're not allowing you to do it because she does not align with our stance on equality. But my question is. That seems wrong. That's unequal. Like you're, exactly. you're, you're equalizing. Everybody's allowed. This is all about equality. Except you, as, Bethany, because you don't. As long as you agree with us. As long as you agree with us. And so much so that we are going to cancel your existence to our ecosystem. That is hugely problematic. And I'm not even taking a stance on Bethany's uh, thoughts on this. I'm not taking a stance on trans. I'm saying this is hugely problematic to try to erase Bethany from the WSL's ecosystem. Which, by the way... She is so good for the, the WSL. Like, she's so good for pro surfing. She's so good. She's Anybody, arguably the, the most powerful woman surfer totally in the history good. of women surfing. This is insanity to me. This is hugely ethically, moralistically wrongheaded and problematic for the WSL. Well, more will be revealed. I, I, I do know that, um, that I'm empathetic towards marginalized um, parts of our society. Um, but I, but I'm, I'm also like, uh, I think this, I think the woke movement, if you will, does itself a disservice when it, when it starts to demand, um, that society align itself with its, um, I don't even, you know, like I said, like, it's it's a hard one for me to convey. I'm empathetic towards these things, but I don't like the idea that you're not going to allow somebody to have their opinion. And if their opinion doesn't align, then they're wrong, I think is um, sort of authoritarian. If we're talking about politics, then yes, that is the that is a huge problem and you are entirely right. In this scenario, we're talking about a business and it turns out it's hugely problematic for the business. So the WSL getting their feelings hurt and making decisions based on hurt feelings is terrible for their business. They should not have any feelings at all about this. They should be leveraging what Bethany said to have a greater conversation, to actually try to resolve the problem and to engage everybody in the conversation. That is how you utilize this for your business growth. And the fact that they aren't doing that and are instead getting their feelings hurt, canceling arguably one of the most powerful people that could be their ally, and then scaring all of their current athletes into not speaking, bad for business, terrible for business. <laughs> well, we'll see. It Again, it, there's a lot of alleged stuff here. I think it, I'll would, tell be you fair to, it would be fair to have... Um, 
to give the if in fact the WSL wants to address this, which if it's true, they need to address it, but uh, they need to have, they must have some sort of, uh, you know, a reply to these are pretty drastic, uh, you know, comments. Well, look, it's a silly thing that they created anyways. Like, Hey, everybody just wear a women's name on the back of your Jersey so that we can parade that we are equal. That's a silly concept in the first place. So then when they step in their own silly concept, who's really to be held liable? You know what I mean? This wasn't assessed. This wasn't related to points in the rankings for somebody winning a world title or something like that. Let me ask you this. It was just a performative novelty. If somebody had said, I want to wear Ava Braun's name on the back of my Jersey, because that's a woman I want to celebrate. Would it be okay for the WSL to say, no, that's not cool. That's Hitler's girlfriend. Don't know. Don't know. I think they had to be a surfer. That might've been a qualifier. Or oh. the common the common denominator between everybody's name on the back of the jerseys was they were all professional surfers. That's something. Oh, point. yeah, not necessarily currently. Was there any other professional surfer that maybe um, they didn't allow has opinions that are outside of? I don't even know what the WSL's opinions are to be honest with you. You know what? This topic is over. Let's move yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Look, it oh, is what God. it is. It's one more in the list of whatever well i got a dentist appointment i'm gonna give scott let's let the wsl have a chance to explain themselves i've got a dentist appointment coming up so a little bit of a hard out right now but um i i do have a must-see moment is the documentary on sterling spencer that they did on stab stab premium it's called are you serious it's a 40 minute documentary uh profiling sterling and his professional surf rise fall and rise again but really centered around the brain injury that he suffered all right, people, go watch that on Stab Premium, the Sterling Spencer documentary. It is epic. Are you serious? Arguably the best documentary I've seen related to anything surfing in a long time. Um, Duke of the Week is both Parker Coffin and Rourke for their very classy departure from their business relationship. I was scrolling Instagram the other day and I saw this post from Rourke praising Parker Coffin. And I'm like, oh, did he win an event? Did he is he on a trip right now and he scored the wave or whatever no they're just like hey we had a phenomenal five years with you we love you we love all your energy we are eager to see what you do with the next phase of your life and i was like wow that's interesting for a brand to do then i come across parker coffin saying the exact same thing like dude this was the greatest five years with a sponsor that i've had i love you guys and uh but apparently they're parting ways for whatever reason i don't know if parker has a new sponsor opportunity or not but i just thought that was a much classier way of handling it than ripping off the sticker and flipping off the camera <laughs> which is normal par for well, course tip of the cap to yeah. work into parker coffin that's great and then my, david look yeah go ahead my, my kook i was gonna say <laughs> oh, is i'm trying to get you out of here i know thank you uh the apple watches that continually fail at each of these events they tried to implement this partnership in the beginning of the year every single event surfers complain about it kelly slater lost his heat and then complained he's like the stats were not being updated on my watch so i had to abandon that and look towards the beach so the apple watch is a problem oh. yeah it is a problem for oh, these surfers God. all right david great show we said a lot we've not sure we solved any problems, but regardless, until next time, adios and aloha. If pain was a color to paint on you, your heart would be the color blue. Be a gradient from there until your body met your head, which remained a silver you.
And don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.